0: has begun to start reopening his state to business. Gyms, barbershops, bowling alleys can reopen, although they will still have to practice social distancing and screen people for fever and respiratory issues. Dine-in restaurants and theaters can open on Monday, and statewide stay-at-home orders expire at the end of the month. Public health officials have questioned if it's too early, but it's a difficult balance between health of the people and business. For more on how Georgia will reopen their economy, we'll speak to James Homan, national political correspondent at The Washington Post.
1: There's definitely a lot of blowback, and Georgia has become an experiment. Notably, Georgia was one of the last states to put a lot of these orders into effect. Just a few weeks ago, Governor Kemp said it was news to him that he had just learned that asymptomatic people, people who aren't showing symptoms, can be spreading the coronavirus to other people, which is something we had been talking publicly about for months and months. Right. Exactly. He finally puts in these restrictions and then kind of immediately wants to relax them Georgia is not a rural state. You know, this isn't Wyoming. There are some rural states where there have not been many cases. Georgia is a major state. Atlanta's a major metropolitan area. They actually have had a lot of cases. The federal guidelines say that you should not relax any restrictions until you've had 14 consecutive days of declining infections. Georgia has certainly not had that. And so it is going to be an experiment. And Georgia is not just any state, it's where the CDC is headquartered. But these are decisions that are up to the governors. We live in a federalist system. I think the decentralization of America is one of our strengths and one of our weaknesses. So Georgia will start to roll things back. They can always retighten them. Other states are watching. But for all these governors, Republicans and Democrats, this is the most important decision they'll probably ever make as governor. I mean, this is a life or death decision. Relaxing the restrictions too soon doesn't just jeopardize the people who are going to go get tattoos and go to the bowling alleys. It's also dangerous for the people who go to the grocery store, where are the people who just went to the bowling alley are then going yeah. to go shopping and are starting it? The big thing that the epidemiologists talk about is the R-naught, which is the number of people that an infected person infects. And so if you get the coronavirus, are you going to infect two and a half people? Or are you going to infect half a person? You know, I hate being under house arrest. No one wants to be at home. But the idea is that that limits the spread. And so the more you have gatherings of people, the higher that R-naught number is going to be. And so the Washington Post conducted a poll that we released today with the University of Maryland, a national poll. And it found that only 10% of Americans think that it's safe to reopen stuff in April. Only 10% of people think that it is safe for more than 10 people to congregate right now. Yeah. So the vast majority of Americans, two thirds of people say they think it's going to take till June to be safe. So part of it too, It's not just up to the governor. If you're a citizen of Georgia, you don't have to go to a bowling alley (laughs) or a tattoo parlor, right? People follow cues, but like, I love to work out, but I wouldn't go to the gym right now if it was open.
0: So let's talk about what's coming up. April 24th on Friday, those are the gyms, barbershops, all that. These places still have to practice social distancing. They would have to screen people for fever and respiratory issues. And then beyond that, so April 27th on Monday, theaters and dine-in restaurants can start opening. And then April 30th, at the end of the month, all the shelter-in-place orders are over. So it's tough there. You
1: know, we, in our poll that I mentioned, half of Americans say they have been directly harmed economically by this crisis. People are suffering, and Latinos and African-Americans disproportionately so. On the economic side and on the health side, I get the desire to kind of get back to work as soon as possible. But the head of the CDC actually gave an interview to one of my colleagues today where he said that he worries that there's going to be a second wave of infections in the fall that's actually going to be worse and deadlier than the first wave because we're not going to have a vaccine. And so, you know, if you let your foot off the gas, it might be fine in some states and in some places, but lives are on the line. One of the things that was also interesting in our poll was there's a partisan split about when to reopen This has somehow become kind of the new front in the culture war. But Republicans, the biggest dividing line among Republicans, and something that kind of trumped party affiliation, was people who are concerned that they personally might get the coronavirus and that they might get very sick, very against relaxing these restrictions. And people who aren't worried that it's going to affect them, that they don't think they're going to get infected, they're totally supported. And the thing is, like, a lot of the people who are kind of like, yeah, let's relax the restrictions don't think it can happen to them. And it's like in California, obviously California is sort of a success story, but I know a lot of people that have gotten it and been hospitalized and in some cases died. And, you know, I think more and more we were in the field with a poll last month and twice as many people now know someone who has had it. But I think for a lot of people, it still doesn't feel like it can, especially a lot of conservatives who typically believe in liberty and small government and government not telling them what to do. That's their worldview. Because they don't think that this could really happen to them, they kind of don't care. But there are a lot of people who are very vulnerable. And the truth is that it could happen to them.
0: James Homan, national political correspondent at The Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. This week, we also had another major meat processing plant closed due to coronavirus. Tyson Foods has had to close down its Waterloo, Iowa pork processing plant, just as it was reopening another facility in Columbus Junction that closed on April 6th. The plant will be closed indefinitely as they clean, install infrared body temperature scanners, and plexiglass barriers to protect workers. As more plants close around the country, there are increased worries about the supply chain of meat. For more on this, we'll speak to Tyler Jett, Jobs, an economy reporter for the Des Moines Register.
2: So the Columbus Junction facility closed on April 6th. They're both pork processing plants. The facility in Columbus Junction is smaller, it employs about 1,200 people. Some employees began to start missing work. Some employees began to leave because they had virus. And eventually they started doing a lot more testing. In that area, they found a number of people tested positive. Now, the the most recent figure from yesterday, the state reported about 250 people in that county had tested positive for the virus. And it's a very small county. It's about 10,000 people in the whole county. And I think there had been two deaths in that county. And largely, a lot of it has been centered on that Tyson plant there in Columbus Junction. And then the Waterloo plant is much larger, but it's also a pork processing facility. It has about 2,800 employees. I think the National Port Council said it's responsible for about 4% of all port processing in the country.
0: So now that the Columbus Junction one has reopened, what have they put in there to protect the workers? I read from your story they have infrared scanners and a lot of plexiglass everywhere.
2: I was down in Columbus Junction for a couple of days this week and just met with probably about a dozen employees, as well as a lot of city officials and other people who are connected to the plant i talking to the mayor who came into the plant the day before, on Monday, the day before they opened up again. The, the company took him on a tour. He said that they put in these infrared scanners, they put in plexiglass stations so that workers are supposed to be in between this plexiglass so they don't touch each other, and yeah. they have masks available, and they've got hand sanitizer and all kinds of sanitizer available to the workers, and they resumed work on Tuesday with the slaughtering operation and today they were going to get into the actual processing of the pigs.
0: And we talk about supply chain a lot of times. It's not just will consumers be able to get their meat and all this is affects everybody farmers truckers distributors the grocers the supply chain disruptions when these meat processing plants close down could be pretty big but we're being told that there's no worry just yet.
2: Last week, the, the National Pork Producers Council was, was holding a, uh, a teleconference and they were using words like potential disaster and, and things like that. An agriculture economist at Iowa State, who I spoke with last week, said he believed that these farmers could hold on to their pigs on their farm for maybe two weeks at that point, maybe three weeks, maybe four weeks. They could try to be creative, but at a certain point, you would start killing your pigs. Basically, you could not afford to keep them, and that would be a loss.
0: Tyler Jett, jobs and economy reporter at the Des Moines Register, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Finally for this week, coronavirus and social distancing has disrupted the power of touch. While we maintain distance, things like the handshake may be dying. You can't hug a friend or loved one and some feel like they may be in touch isolation. So what does this mean for how we connect with each other when this is all over? It may take some time to get things back to normal and feel comfortable with the way we touch and want to be touched. For more on the importance of touch and how it might make a comeback, we'll speak to Tim Teeman, Senior Editor at The Daily Beast.
3: Almost overnight, our experience of touch generally has completely changed. Just generally, the nervousness we now have around touch, because touch at the moment um, is seen as a vector of transmission of this invisible terrible disease right so people are extremely nervous most obviously around handshaking hugging or kissing somebody on the cheek think about the whole range of touch responses we have to not only our closest friends our loved ones people we may have sex with but also just professional contacts people you may see in an office or in a meeting all of those touch signals would seem, uh, at least in the short term, if and when we come out of this, as things we will need to rethink because my sense is at the moment, no pun intended, that people feel generally extremely nervous around touch and we'll, that nervousness will carry on in some extent, at least in the early part of our post-coronavirus world as we begin to think about collectively gathering together again in whatever numbers and in whatever spatial requirements attached to that. But at some point, we're going to go back out into the world together. And at that point, people will have decisions to make around how they touch or do not touch others and conversely, how people wish to be touched.
0: I just had an experience with this just in this past week. I have a friend, a co-worker who I've known for many years. I had to drop something off mm-hmm. at his house and uh, he recently had a kidney transplant, actually. So he's already kind of in this social distancing mode. But for, years, ah, sure. but for years, you know, I, I'm a hugger. I've hugged him, shook his hands. We've shared food off the same plate. And I dropped, it was yeah. just a letter I had to drop off at his house. And there was this weird moment where we kind of both leaned in and then took back because, you know, we we're our natural inclination was to hug as we greet. And, and we realized, Absolutely. okay, we have to not do this. So the question I have, were Americans ever touchy-feely in that way? I know there's been some research and ongoing research done into that. Uh, Americans as a culture, do we are we that way?
3: As an Englishman, as you can tell by my accent, my impression was um, Americans were pretty touchy-feely compared to us <laughs> when I came here 10 years ago to live. But according to Professor Tiffany Field, who's one of the people quoted in the article, she heads up the Touch Institute at the University of Miami. This is an actual scientific institute devoted to the study of touch. She and her team have been uh, in the most recent study before COVID-19 hit us. Her and her team were going to American, mostly American airports to observe the behavior of travelers at departure gates and what she and her team observed was a remarkable lack of touch amongst people. She said that 98% of the people that they observed were simply in sort of solitary non-touching other units scrolling on their mobile phones and pretty, pretty engrossed in that. So for Professor Field, she said that America traditionally had not been a touchy feely country, and that this again goes back to some supposition around why um, countries such as Italy and France, um, European countries where touch and touch between generations is seen as a very fulsome and wonderful thing to do, why they may have been hit so hard by COVID-19. One of the researchers I spoke to said, look, the thing that's gonna be a game changer if it, if it happens is medicine and medical advance and vaccine. And when and if there is progress on all those fronts, when this begins to feel in society like a manageable thing, um, if it ever feels like that because of medical advances, because of a vaccine, because of some notion that it can be treated, but it won't be a, a, a terrible consequence for a broad range of people then maybe, maybe we can return to some kind of touch normality or some semblance of that, and we will feel less nervous about touching each other. But that is going to be something, again, that is going to be tested on us collectively.
0: And that's an interesting point because everybody experiences this in a different way. You know, there's a lot of research that shows there's a lot of benefits to touching, both physical and psychological. But the way people experience touch, especially right now and and how they, they miss it, let's say, is different, You know, single people are probably more isolated than somebody that has a partner, right? Uh, for them, it's probably more about observing proper space than touching. Uh, so everybody That's kind of absolutely goes, right. you know, some of the experts and, and people that you talked to in the article too say, you know, you got to give your skin everything it wants right now, you know, whether it's the simple things like having a, a bath or, a, you know, a luxurious lotion or something, something that can help you in any way to get through this.
3: Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's um, beautifully summarized. Yes, I mean, what you're going through at the moment will depend very much on if you are with somebody or if you're not. Um, if you're single and solo, you, if you're abiding by social distancing and the instructions that we've been given, will not be being touched or touching anybody else. If you are in a family situation or if you're in a relationship, um, if you have a partner, if you're in a household or an apartment where there is somebody else that you are involved with, that you are isolated with, you will most likely, um, if the relationship is good, and I hope it is, um, will be experiencing touch and touching that other person in some sense. And so touch, we know, um, helps with the immune system, digestion, tiredness, it's basically, it releases this thing called oxytocin, which is a good thing, it's a stress release. They call it the love hormone. Um, So when we're intimate with somebody, and when we're touched by somebody that we're intimate with, this gets released and it's good for us. So at the moment, for single people, they're not really getting there. And one of the researchers said it would be fascinating to see in that range of single people um, whether oxytocin is, is dipping below levels. And certainly the psychological state of people not being touched for a long period of time, the researchers think, is detrimental, that touch is necessary for a happy and stable mind. So that's something to look at for the future. And looking into that future, as you say, how we treat our skin, which is something I hadn't thought about until I spoke to the researchers, apparently is key. Like you say, lotions, bath, anything that stimulates the skin surface is a good thing. In whatever way you like, the researchers say, the scientists say, do that. And that will at least, if you are on your own, make you feel better and make your skin feel better and give you some sensory sort of pleasure. And then moving on from that, obviously, we come to sex, which is something which, again, if single people living on their own are following instructions, they will not be having sex right now. And so the researchers are, again, pointing to the importance if people like it and if it gives them pleasure of masturbation and feeling kind of okay about that and doing that. Maybe that becomes kind of important to those people at the moment. Obviously, if you're in a relationship, if you're in a couple of any kind, then sex and sexual intimacy may be part that experience and, you know, good, good for you. And lucky yeah. you if, if you, if you have that, and if you have that experience, it's the long-term effects of this, which is, which are fascinating researchers at the moment.
0: Yeah, it definitely would be interesting to see what happens after this. You know, we're going through this moment, people call it touch isolation, and there could be this moment of touch PTSD. You know, people are still going to be worried about the virus yeah. after social distancing gets lifted, and, you know, how will we react? You know, will the will handshake ever come back? You know, things like that. It's going to be these long-lasting effects that we'll have to keep an eye out for. So it, it, is, it's a, really, a it is really subject. fascinating
3: The researchers and scientists, they are optimistic that there will be some, in time, when we feel assured that there is some level of safety, um, they are confident that touch in some form will emerge again. And as I said in my piece, it's ironic that we're feeling so conflicted and strange around touch right now, because in the hospitals all around our country, there are doctors and nurses in intensive care with patients who are very ill and dying, who, as because their families cannot be with them, the last thing that they they are sometimes doing, or when they're just very sick, something they do for comfort, is to hold their hand, which is, the most profound thing they could do at that moment. So imagine that we're feeling rightly weird about it. And then in those hospitals, at the most critical moment for those patients confronting their mortality, they are being touched and touch being that last maybe sensation or the most fundamental sensation to give them comfort, love and a sense of belonging. So there's an assertion of touch at the very heart of this pandemic that is almost an act of of love and defiance, I guess, which is kind of amazing.
0: Tim Tiemann, senior editor and writer at The Daily Beast, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much. That's it for this weekend. Be sure to check out The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday. Join us on social media, at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter, and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive has been engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles and this was your Daily Dive Weekend Edition.